Let's bow our heads. Dearly Father, thank you so much for bringing us here safely this evening. Thank you for keeping this building open so that we can fellowship this way, this unique way uh, in time, Father. We're so grateful for what it is. It's an expression of your grace and your love towards us, your children, Father. May we never become familiar with it, but embrace it for what it is. It's, again, an expression of your love that never gets old. Father, we pray for those in the congregation that can't be here with us this evening for uh, whatever reason, Father, you know. We just pray that they are healed and comforted in their time away that you return them to the fold as soon as possible. Your will be done, of course. We pray also for those that are still lost in this world without hope. What a desperate state to find oneself in, Father. We just pray that they're humbled before it's too late. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work to cancel out that debt and to make an evening like this a time to rejoice in. I'm just so grateful for it, Father. We just ask for your blessings on this evening's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, we're just getting a footing again, uh, back live. So appreciate the um, faithfulness uh, in showing up. I know it's cold out there. Uh, the snow's a little rough out there. Apologize. Uh, sometimes we have to make judgment calls with the driveway. It's like this much. and um, So thank you for showing up. It's encouraging. Um, it does seem we're getting close to the end of the road on the topic of family, but, you know, God only knows, to be honest. Go to Proverbs 17.6. That should be bookmarked by now. Uh, Proverbs 17, verse 6 reads, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers, Proverbs 17, verse 6. So if you recall, our past two messages opened up the same way with this pair of principles up here on the board. The first one reads, if you want your perceptions to match reality, then you must possess the truth. If you want your perceptions to match reality, then you must possess the truth, a.k.a. the light. Uh, we saw that in Ephesians 5, 13 through 14. Our recurring principle on top of that, or in addition to that, tracing all the way back to last Thursday's message, has been this up here on the board, how Satan influences you. So we want our perceptions to match reality, but your perception may not match reality. If and when this happens, and typically it's due to you believing lies or half-truths, we might call them, you are likely to make decisions that are suboptimal. It's like trying to build an argument on insubstantive beliefs, beliefs without any substance to them, no foundation. They don't hold up under pressure. Stop making decisions based on that. It's like making a, a firm decision without a foundation. I'm going to build the best house. I'm going to rock on top of what? Straw? That's what I mean by insubstantive 
Uh, you've got to have the truth. Eventually, your argument fails in that situation. And as Jesus described it in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, the greater the initial presupposition, false one at that, the greater the fall. The greater the fall. And those are Jesus' words. So those are the two principles that the Spirit has opened up the last two messages with. Uh, and I hope you've appreciated it. Um, we noted one particular instance in support of this. It was kind of the, the, the instigating uh, principle, or the instigating uh, method, I guess you'd call it, that the Spirit used, where uh, public perception was about five times out of scope or out of, or out of uh, whack with reality. Five times that of reality. And what we've learned to consider is that this isn't a novel concept at all, since we're all susceptible to lies. And so having our perception very much skewed, to the order of five even, it sounds almost appalling or unbelievable, but it happens all the time. Why? We're lied to. It's that simple. Uh, you know, we don't see what we think we see. We get, we get facades. We get uh, coverings. We get, you know, avatars of people even. We, we don't get the full truth. Media is famous for doing that to us, but we're the ones who turn on the TV. Amen? I know, right? I know. Uh, you know? The danger is that without the truth in us, we can think one way, but because our thinking is awry, we persist in darkness. We think this way, but we actually persist in darkness. And even though while we're in that estate, we think we're in the light. And that's the really dangerous thing about being lied to. You think you're in the light, but the reality is you're in the darkness. And I was thinking about an analogy to that because, you know, you, you, you go deeper and deeper. You think you're in the light, but you're actually in the darkness. And the more you, you know, the more you persist or insist that you're in the light, the, the stronger the darkness has a hold over you. Does that make sense? Uh, it reminded me of this up here on the board. You know, you ever see one of these Chinese finger traps? The harder you pull, the tighter it gets. It's like that. Uh, the harder you pull, the harder you insist on, you know, doing this activity or going through this exercise, the deeper you get in. And so, you know, the more you insist on your brand of light, the deeper you sink into the deceptiveness of darkness, the deeper the trap. Again, the more you insist on your light, the deeper you sink into the deceptiveness of darkness. And that reminds me of you know, many of the topics we covered in that wonderful series titled The Deceitfulness of Sin. And just as a, a sort of a sidebar here, um, there seems to be a bit of a groundswell lately of folks venturing on back to previous message series. I'm thinking of actually going back to the gospel reload myself. And I taught it. <laughs> All 117 parts of it. And I'm thinking of going back and listening to it for myself. Why not? 
Does the gospel ever get old? I don't think so. But anyways, here are two popular ones as of late. Popular, we'll call them do-overs. Where people are actually on their own time listening to these two series. Uh, and they're being blown away. They love it. They absolutely love it. And I, I know because they tell me. The gospel, salvation, and sanctification, that's what I call the gospel reload. And that started back in September of 2015. And it is 117 hours of message. Some of you are like, oh, really? <laughs> okay, just put that into perspective. Uh, I don't know, what is it, 24 times? How many hours are in a week? 168? That's less hours than are in a week. So if you were to start right now, you could finish by next, like next what, Wednesday? I'm just saying. You know what I'm getting at? Like, it's not that much. It's really not. It was, oh, oh, it's a lot. No, it's not. It's really not. Uh, the other one is the deceitfulness of sin. And uh, someone told me that while I was teaching the deceitfulness of sin, I said this might be the second most important series I've ever taught after the first one, after the Gospel Reload. And I, I tend to agree. Here's, uh, here's a text I got from someone in the congregation that's listening to the Gospel Reload. Uh, they said, while listening to the Gospel Reload, I am so thankful he had you teach this. I can't believe I had it wrong for so long. Everyone should re-listen to this series. Very important. Thank you again, Pastor. So this person really is uh, quite blown away. Um, and they've already heard it. It's not like it's the first time they've even heard it because they were here back then as well. All right, back to the original point, though. Up here on the board, the deceitfulness of sin. There's a locking mechanism, in other words, and I, I hope you understand what I'm trying to get at here. The more you insist on your, quote, light, the deeper you sink into the deceptiveness of darkness. So the more you push, it's like the Chinese finger thing, the more you pull, right, the more you try to insist, the tighter the noose. Your insistence drives you deeper into darkness where you are less and less likely to, quote, see it all as truth. And that's our catchphrase for that wonderful passage in Ephesians 5, uh, specifically Ephesians 5.13 to 14a. Go there. We'll just see it quickly. Ephesians 5.13. Hold your thumb where you're at. Again, the deceitfulness of sin. The more you insist on your light, the deeper you sink into the deceptiveness of darkness, your insistence drives you deeper into darkness where you are less likely to see it all as truth. Ephesians 5.13, but when anything is exposed by the light, anything, that means the good, the bad, the ugly, doesn't matter what it is, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light, and light is truth. And that's all we want. We just want to see it all as truth. Lord, turn the lights on so I can see it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, because I don't want to insist on bad data. I don't want to insist on light that's actually darkness. And that's the point up here on the board, the deceitfulness of sin. The more you insist on your light, the deeper you sink into the deceptiveness of darkness. And your insistence drives you deeper into darkness 
we are less and less likely to see it all as truth. Now, we might look at this in a, you know, in a, uh, a progressive sense where you say, well, what are you getting at? What do you mean by the more you insist, the more you're locked in, the more uh, you sink into the deceptiveness of darkness? Well, think of it this way, in a progressive way. Maybe you're just a little deceived. You know, maybe you're just a little deceived. And therefore, maybe your perception, you know, is just a little skewed. Maybe you've only ingested a little lie from the kingdom of darkness. So your spiritual vision, you know, while not 2020, is still, you know, pretty good. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's just a little bit. But that little bit still has you veered off the righteous path a little. If this is the straight and narrow, you are some degree off of it. Right? And if you know anything about physics or just, I mean, just visualize it. Even if you're only two degrees off of something, the longer you go, what happens to, between the distance between the righteous path and where you are? The longer you go, the farther you get away from the righteous path. So even a little bit can become a problem. And when God, the Holy Spirit, tries to, you know, wake you up, let's just say you ignore him. You're like, eh, it's just a little. Look at Ephesians 5.15. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So let's just keep walking with our little thing here. In your darkness, let's say you continue to ignore the good counsel from God the Holy Spirit. And so let's try to quantify this a little bit. Maybe we put that as a, you know, a twofold factor of perception deception. So now you've bought a little lie. And because you've got a little lie, you can't see as well. And so your perception is not reality because now it's been affected by a lie. Let's just say there's a twofold factor of perception deception. You know, where your perception is off by some factor of two. But you insist that you are not awry. And so you persist in your current darkness, claiming you are in the light. So the next lie is planted, and now you're three times awry. And then the next lie comes on the scene, and now you're four times awry, and so on and so forth. And with each lie, as your darkness becomes greater and greater, in other words, as you become blinder and blinder, because that's what happens to your perceptive abilities, the more you're lied to, the more you abide in lies, you see less and less truth. And let's just suppose, you know, as it, your darkness becomes greater and greater, you become even more convinced 
that your so-called light is actually light. But God knows it truly is not. That's the point. It's a snowball. Never buy that lie that, oh, it's just a little lie. Or it's just a little aberration from the truth. The longer you persist, even if it's two degrees off, the longer you persist, the further you get away from righteousness. The only remedy to the whole mess is a big dose of reality mixed with an equal dose of humility. Big dose of reality mixed with an equal dose of humility. We might think of reality as Ephesians uh, 5, 13 and 14, seeing it all as truth. But when you see it all as truth, if you see a wart, you have to say, oh, that's a wart. If you see this chasm between righteousness and your life, you have to say, there's a chasm between righteousness and my life. That's the whole point of seeing it all as truth. That's what humility looks like. We get our reality, though, from the Word of God, according to the Word of God, up here on the board, where we get our reality. 2 Timothy 3.16-17, uh, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We synthesize that with Romans 10.17, which reads, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith, reality, understanding the truth, the truth that sets you free, the truth that orients you to God, that's the same thing as the faith. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So you can see how, if we think about it that way, in the absence of the word of truth, a person can quickly and easily backslide into darkness, even as a believer. You can backslide quite quickly and easily, especially if you insist that you're in the light. And all that can happen to a believer. I've seen it happen in my own life, and I've had a front row seat to seeing it happen in the lives of others. I call it, you know, watching a car wreck in slow motion. It's, it's awful. And in my case, as a pastor, um, I get additional discernment on situations, and it's unbelievably painful sometimes for me to watch because... I don't know how many times this has happened, but a lot. I'll be teaching on something while a person in the congregation is literally ignoring what the Spirit's saying. Like they could be sitting like right in front of me, like right over there, right there, right over there. I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to say anywhere. Everybody's like, just point to me. You know, somewhere in here. And I, and I know about it, and I'm teaching, and I almost can see it in their body language. They don't want to hear it. You follow? They're going through something. They should be listening. I'm like, yes. Or even better yet, what I, not better yet, but worse yet, what always seems to happen is the people that need to hear the message aren't here that, that day. And then sometimes, you know, I'll be 
me, and I'll be, I'll like text them. Hey, what'd you think of the message? Oh, I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why. And so from my perspective, I'm saying, obviously, the kingdom of darkness is doing everything it can to keep them the hell away from that message. They did it during the day, then they did it all the subsequent days after. And I have to sit back and watch a car wreck in slow motion. And I was thinking about that, so I can't even tell you how many people have left this church while I was teaching something that was meant to, you know, wake them up or snap them out of the darkness. They just up and disappear. I'm like, hold on, time out. Like, you, I, right? You know what I'm getting at? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's awful. And the kingdom of darkness, they just, they're gone. probably the vast majority of time, opposite sex. But that's a whole other story. Right, DJ? It's, it's unbelievable. But anyways, here's the point the Spirit's making here up here on the board. The deceitfulness of sin, the more you insist on your light, the deeper you sink into the deceptiveness of darkness. Your insistence drives you deeper into darkness where you are less and less likely to see it all as truth because you're becoming progressively blinder. That's the point. So let's review the passage we pondered last time where Jesus was confronting the source of so much darkness, namely the Pharisees. The source, the liars, the purveyors of lies, if you would. And recall that they had... Uh, that they and the disciples insisted that they were in the light. That was their insistence, right? They were arrogant. They said, we're, the, we're, we're in the right here. We know the truth. We possess the truth. But Jesus vehemently disagreed. Actually, you know, being the light himself, The interesting thing to notice here is how arrogant the Pharisees were when the light of the world attempted to straighten them out. Up here on the board, John 1.4 says, In him was life, this is Jesus, and the life was the light of men. So he is the very manifestation of grace and truth, truth being light. He is the light of men. All right, let's read this passage now. Go to John 8.42. John 8.42. So here we have individuals that were liars, essentially. John 8.32. Jesus had a problem with that because they were saying that they were the light and that Jesus was the darkness. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Do you understand? It's almost like, you know, that person who's progressed long enough, and, you know, they're at the factor of, tenfold perception versus reality. When you approach them with the truth, they can't bear it. 
because they're so far removed from righteousness, it hurts. That's what's going on. They insist that they're in the truth. They insist, even though they're completely blind. And that's what Jesus was saying. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. But we know from Holy Scripture that truth annihilates darkness. Up here on the board, John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness can never overcome light. Well, the darkness in the Pharisees was met head-on with the light of men, namely Jesus. And as Jesus described this, let's call it a collision, this coming together, uh, the Pharisees couldn't bear to hear the truth. Those that were in the dark that claimed they were truth could not bear the actual truth. And sometimes that's us. Could not bear to hear the, the truth. In their arrogance, they persisted in their proclamation that they were the light and Jesus was the one in the dark. But therein lies the very nature. Listen, therein lies the very nature of the deceitfulness of sin. All it has to do is get you to think that you actually are in the light, that you are righteous. That's all it has to do. And you'll protect it like a little lion, right? You'll protect it because you think that you're in the light. So therein lies the very nature of the deceitfulness of sin, as we've learned in the aforementioned series titled as such. And frankly, I'm sure we can all relate having partook in a smaller version of this collision uh, in our own lives at some point. You know, and to be honest, sometimes we play the role of Jesus where we really are uh, in the light. And sometimes we play the role of the Pharisees where we think we're in the light, but we're actually in darkness. So the idea here isn't to throw stones at the Pharisees. That is not our agenda here. To go, oh, look at how awful they were. Look at, they were just so arrogant. And so <laughs> we, it's to understand the nature of the game itself, the dynamics of light and darkness, uh, the, uh, the interplay, if you want to call it that. In a nutshell, what we see is how very insistent insistent a person can be while they abide in the darkness. It's almost overwhelming sometimes to think about. And I don't know about you, but I've had many times in my life where I can look back even, even from, a, from a pulpit perspective, insisting that something was true. And now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh my word. It's like the person who wrote me that text. I cannot believe I was deceived about the gospel for that long. And that person, if they were here, I bet you if I asked them, would you have fought kind of tooth and nail to protect your perverted version of the gospel? You bet. Matter of fact, I did. I did, right? And then in retrospect, once you actually are in the light, you look back and go, oh, that's how deceptive sin can be. That's how wrapped up we can get in lies. 
So we have to be humble. In those moments of truth where the Spirit really digs deep, gets and cuts to the bone, you know, like Hebrews 4.12, gets right to the marrow of the matter, we have to, in humility, accept it. So what we see is how very insistent a person can be while they abide in the darkness. And while they are there, up until the very point where they finally humble themselves and see the light, they are as insistent as can be. Sometimes they want to go fisticuffs, right? It's like, how dare you challenge this thing that I know to be true? But here's what Jesus had to say about that. Look at John 8, 44, because the Pharisees were doing that very thing. I mean, think about it. They had it their way in the end, and they killed him. They, they murdered him. <laughs> That's how fierce it can be. Now, gratefully, we're not, you know, we don't get killed every day. Overseas, they do. Just saying. Just saying. We don't here in America, thank God. Amen, right? We can practice our own religion and not be persecuted. Overseas, you can get hung up for it or murdered. John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin if I tell you the truth? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So in this case, Jesus was telling them to their faces that the reason they couldn't hear the truth, the reason they couldn't even bear it, bear to hear it, was because they were spiritually deaf. Of course, that's a picture of the unbeliever, um, and they believe, or the unbelievers remain in that estate until they are saved, if ever. But according to the Bible, we believers can behave just like unbelievers whenever we are tempted by sin and are led back into darkness. That's what we call backsliding. Experientially, this can happen to us for a time. If we to run that out. If we never return, we call that an apostate. That person was never saved in the first place. We will always return. That's one of the key indicators of knowing that you're actually saved. That you will return. So again, let us not throw stones, but rather learn from the mistakes we are given to learn from. Whether our own or others that we read about in the Bible, like the Pharisees. Let us not throw stones. This is not about throwing stones. This is about learning. Learning to understand the dynamics, the deceitfulness of sin, how you can so easily be entangled with it. And then think you're in the light. And you know, you're like, la, la, la. Anybody been there, right? La, 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 I'm going good. And you, and you look over and you're like, oh, my word. I veered off the path. The righteous path is way over there and I'm way over here. But it was only a one-degree separation a couple of weeks ago, but because I've let the line out for two weeks, I'm now that far away. 
And if I go a month, I'm going to be, you know, over there near Scott type of thing, right? Because Scott's always that far from the line. <laughs> right? Back to our conclusion up here on the board. If you want your perceptions to match reality, then you must possess the truth, a.k.a. the light, Ephesians 5, 13 to 14. So the Bible warns us repeatedly, be careful what you listen to. Because what you let take, what you allow into your soul affects you. And if it's lies, eventually they wear you out. They wear the defenses down. The next thing you know, you're believing a lie. And it doesn't have to be like a written lie. You're like, I don't believe that. If you write that, I don't believe it. It could be those subtle little ones. You know the ones that they, um, they portray without saying it. They portray it on your favorite TV program. Oh, it's normal. It's normal to have a marriage like that. It's normal to have a dysfunctional family. It's normal to, you know, you, the list goes on and on. Nobody says anything, but the whole dysfunction is normalized. And the next thing you know, you're accepting that as truth. Like, okay, it's not that bad. But it really is. That's the whole point. It really is. So if you want your perceptions to match reality, then you must possess the truth. And so the Bible warns us repeatedly. First, be careful what you listen to. <clears throat> be careful who you listen to. That's another big one for everyone in here. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you let near you. Be careful who you let whisper in your ear. doesn't matter, you know, this whole crap about, you know, oh, love, love, love. No, 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 no. That's the easiest way to get on the inside. Oh, I, oh, brother, I come to you in love. Oh, sister, I come to you in love. And then they tell you a lie. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful what you let into your soul. Be on guard. Be diligent. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. So in context of our primary course of study, be all of these things, especially when it comes to your family. That's been what the Spirit's been, that's what the Spirit's been saying, right? Be really vigilant, diligent, especially when it comes to your family. Especially when it comes to your family. Why? Because we live in a world that lies a lot. Like a real lot about marriage and family. So it's really easy to listen to lies about marriage and family. It's really easy to listen to someone talk even ungodly in an ungodly manner about marriage and family. It's really easy to let it into your soul. And even if it only just, you know, you're like, you know, you're pretty strong. Let's say you've been in the Word for a while. You know, where, you know, a, a, a less mature person would be, you know, get hit with the, you know, hit with that kind of thing and they get knocked off 10 degrees and they're like, whoo, you know, you might get knocked off one degree. But two weeks from now, that one degree is a big deal. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. It's really easy to be lulled into the darkness by said lies. 
It's really easy to get lulled into the darkness by lies. And before you know it, you're the person on television with a picket sign objecting to this or that biblical principle regarding marriage or family. You've joined the ranks. And it all started off with a one degree of separation. Somehow you're the, now you're on TV. Yeah, Jesus is love. Love everybody. It's okay. Marry same sex. Tell your kids it's okay to be a girl when they were born a boy and vice versa. Encourage it. Celebrate that kind of stuff that's ruining lives, that runs contrary to the will of God. Next thing you know, that's you. And guess what? In that moment, you think you're in the light. Isn't that the craziest thing? In that moment, you think that you're in the light. And you even take Holy Scripture out of context to support your so-called righteous, loving stance. Just like Satan did. Just like Satan did when he tempted Jesus in Matthew 4. You're in the darkness the whole time, but yet you insist that you're right. Jesus said up here on the board, Matthew 6, 23, part B, If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Again, up here on the board, if you want your perceptions to match reality, then you must possess the truth otherwise known as the light. So, the Spirit's been encouraging us to keep our eyes wide open for the trappings of sin. We want to avoid this blurred perception, this skewed perception. We want to seek the truth, no matter what. See it all as truth, so that we can live in reality, Reality might be, quote-unquote, more painful. It may require a little persecution, some suffering, some tribulation, because there's friction with the world. But that's way better than living in the matrix, right? Where your perception is completely false. Uh, and, and the world's leaving you alone. So the Spirit's been encouraging us to keep our eyes wide open for the trappings of sin. And we do this by being trained. You know, it's like a soldier who gets trained for warfare. The army will put them through rigorous training and exercises that put them in situations that they might encounter during a real engagement with the enemy. So to be a good soldier, they must be equipped properly. Well, you are a soldier for Christ, remember, says 2 Timothy 2.3. And you need to be trained up in the word of truth so that you're prepared. Up here on the board, Ephesians 4.12 and 14. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine including all the lies, the false doctrines, you know, uh, the fluidity of today's Christianity. 
I wonder if we're still around, I wonder what Christianity is going to look like 50 years from now. It's probably going to be, I don't even know, what are they going to portray Jesus as chasing after people? Please, hanging off their ankles, please, believe. All you have to do is just turn and face me. <laughs> right? I mean, that'll, that's the natural end of the watered-down gospel. That's where it's going. There's no recollection of your actual sinfulness or your depravity. Heck, that's right now. That's the average Christian church. You don't even have to contemplate your own depravity. You just to say, have you ever sinned? Yeah. Well, that sin can take you to hell. Okay. Do you believe? All right. No repentance whatsoever. Uh, no contrition whatsoever. No turning. Nothing. Nothing. No denying self. None of it. That's today's Christianity. That's today's Christianity. And it's false doctrine. And so you have to be trained up. You have to be, this is why the gospel reload, for starters. That's why we had 117 hours of that stuff. So that you could be adequately equipped, not thrown to and fro like a ship on a sea, not blind. You ever see a blind person without their walking stick, right? Or someone who's temporarily blind? They bump it, they fall down, they bump into things, they don't know what's going on. Really easy to control someone like that. When we're properly trained, we remain protected by the light for as long as we abide in it. We are, as this week's blog is titled, up here on the board, The Untouchables. The untouchables. If we abide in the light, we abide in God's love. I think you'll enjoy that one. Short and sweet. If we abide in the light, we abide in God's love. And that is tantamount to saying that we abide in the word of God since we are commanded to receive it. It's all the same statement. Up here on the board, John 15.10. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Love becomes the protective factor, in other words. Love is our protection, you understand. Being in the sphere of love makes us untouchable. Understanding God's love means we're untouchable. We cling to it with everything we've got, and we're untouchable. The world can't touch you when you abide in his love. How do you abide in his love? Jesus said it. Abide in his commandments. Keep his commandments. They're the same thing. So if you want to abide in his love, what do you do? Obey. If you want to be protected in this world, what do you do? Obey. Do you see? It's the same sphere. It's the same thing. If you want to make it through this world in one piece, you will be persecuted. You will go through tribulations. But if you want to remain in one peace, you want to remain peaceful and have some contentment in your life, then keep his commandments. Let him train you up. That's what's going on right now. He's equipping you with, with gear. Read Ephesians 6 when you go home. He's equip, equipping you with the gear, the word of God that protects you. So I hope you see how the Holy Spirit is pulling out all of our major themes 
from the past few weeks together uh, right now. He's pulling it all together right before you. Um, here's a little booster to that effect he gave us last time up here on the board. Synthesizing these passages, Matthew, uh, Matthew 7, 17 to 27, Luke 8, 17 to 18, Ephesians 5, 15, Hebrews 4, 12, 2 Timothy 3, 16. The summary is seek to build your thoughts on truth. Be trained up in righteousness. See it all as truth. That's what you should seek. You want the truth so that your reality matches your perceptions, or shall I say your perceptions match your reality. Therefore, be careful what you listen to because your thoughts direct your walk. Let the Bible be your source of truth because it is God-breathed. Just remember that when it comes to marriage and family, because that's been our topic. All of these things are supported. They're friendly reminders from God the Holy Spirit. This is how you protect your marriage and your family. You keep His commandments. You obey His commandments. This is how you preserve the divine institutions that God has set forth in your life for your own good. You keep His commandments. You obey the Word of God. Does the average Christian, so-called Christian, if they're even saved, even know the Word of God? I don't think so. I don't think you get the Word of God by singing for 20 minutes or 30 minutes in a mosh pit in ecstasy and you know screaming and yelling and then hearing a 15-minute sermon. I don't think you learn the Word of Truth that way. It's really emotional. You get pretty charged up. But that's not training. That's not training. So remember, when it comes to marriage and family, Satan in the kingdom of darkness are doing everything they can to warp your sense of perception versus reality. Versus reality. And how they do it? The opposite of the word of truth, lies. Lies. If you want to get somebody to change their perspective, what do you do to them? You lie to them. That's how you manipulate somebody. Right? They'll go somewhere under their own power if you can change their perspective. Amen? That's all you got to do. All you, if, you're, if you're evil, you lie to them. You say, you should be going over there. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'll go over there. You don't have to push them. You don't have to drag them. You just lie to them. Oh, you should have this kind of a marriage. Really? Yeah. Okay. You don't have to do anything. They go and self-destruct. Oh, you should have this kind of a family. Really? Yeah. Don't worry about reading the Bible. I'll tell you the truth. Right? You can see it on the television screen. That's where you can pick up your doctrine about marriage and family. Really? Yeah, really. Everybody's doing it. See, it's totally normal. Oh, okay. And they self-destruct. Why? Lies. And they do it under their own power. How efficient is Satan? All you have to do is lie. All right, let's get back to our primary course of study, Proverbs 17, 6. Proverbs 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. By now you should see that, yeah, man, there's a whole ecosystem, if you want to call it, a whole economy around the family. It's a little microcosm. I use that fancy word, right, whatever. That microcosm 
of God's larger heavenly family. There's so many lessons we can learn in that little microcosm called family. And so we've learned a lot of truth lately from the Bible on the topics of not just family, but also marriage, because one precedes the other, um, biblically speaking. And the encouragement has been, do not delay. Do not delay. Up here on the board, now's the time. Some of you, because I know for a fact, knowing some of you, you've got a history, like a a, a pretty um, rough history, um, or a spotty history, or less than glamorous history when it comes to marriage and family. But newsflash, you can't change yesterday. It's gone. So you don't dwell on yesterday. You say, what, what can be done right now? That's it. What can be done right now? Well, now's the time. This is what the Spirit's been saying. We're on the topic of marriage and family. Okay, what can I do? Now. Now's the time. Now's the time to receive the word implanted. Hear the truth. Push out the lies. Stop listening to lies. Take the word of truth in. Now's the time to align your perception with God's reality because that's what happens when you have the truth. You see it all as truth. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You have a righteous lens to look at your life, at the world. You have a righteous viewpoint because the word of truth gives you that spiritual sight. Now you see it all as truth. You look down, you're like, oh, there's some good, but ooh, there's some what's there too. And you're able to deal with it. You live in reality. Now's the time to protect your family, to be on topic here. Now's the time to protect your family. There's so much goodness in doing so, regardless of what the lies from the kingdom of darkness tell you otherwise. There's just so much goodness in obeying his commands regarding the divine institutions of marriage and family. It's that simple. And some of you are like, I've been to the other side. I've made my mistakes. And there's nothing he's saying right now that's not true. I'll tell you. Come have a cup of coffee with me someday. I will tell you the horror stories. I think that's why he allows some of us to go through said horror stories so that we can be empathetic towards other people that we're trying to bring to Christ that have made the same mistakes, right? And that's why we don't judge anyone. There's just so much goodness in doing and obeying the word of truth, regardless of what the lies from the kingdom of darkness tell us otherwise. Will you be persecuted by the world? Indeed. Unless Jesus is a liar. So you have to say, all right, so be it. I'm going to take in the word of truth. I'm going to abide in it. I'm going to obey his commands so that I can abide in love, so that I can be protected, so my family can be protected. I'm in. Whatever happens, happens. Up here on the board, Romans 12 
verse 12, and I think I'll end here. <coughs> Romans 12, 12. Learn this. Like, cling to this. Rejoice in hope. Uh, look, this life is a drop in the bucket. Amen? We, what, 70, 80, 90 years, right? Whatever. Sometimes much less. Our great hope is far beyond this world, this life, where this is just decaying and it's just haunting us like the bad roommate, right? Who's going to deliver me from this body of death, right? This rotten carcass thing that we have to deal with. I can't wait to get out of this thing, amen? I can't, oh man, I can't wait to get out of this thing. It's just awful. And so we, the only thing left is what's in front of us. We live for what's in front of us. We live, we invest our time and our energy in a hope. We don't invest in things right now, in temporal things that are fleeting. The details of life, that's just white noise. Our mind is set on the things above, right? Colossians 3, none of the things on earth. We're out in front. We have that hope in front of us that's pulling us. And every day we get closer. So be patient. You will be persecuted. But be patient in tribulation. And FYI, be constant in prayer. Right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Sound familiar? Be thankful in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us this evening to study your word, the word of truth, Father. Truth is what sets us free. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. When we abide in it, we abide in the sphere of your love, Father. We're protected. We're loved. Oh, it's just perfect, Father. Thank you so much for giving us this truth. We just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned back to our homes, our marriages, and your will be done out to a world that needs it so desperately. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.